This episode of That's What She Said Podcast is brought to you by Sarah Candle Company. Visit sarahcandles.com, C-E-R-A candles.com, and use the promo code. The goal of Sarah Candle Company was to create a candle 100% natural, clean burning, and of the highest quality that everyone can enjoy. Here's why Sarah Candles are the best. All natural soy wax free from the toxins found in paraffin wax, which is used by other leading brands. The all-natural soy wax actually holds your scent better and will burn up to 50% longer than the traditional paraffin wax candle. 100% lead-free cotton wicks, completely natural scents. They're made in micro-batches and they're hand-poured to ensure the highest quality. 100% locally sourced and handcrafted in the USA. They have 25 different scents available, 3 different sizes, fragrance oils that are infused with natural essential oils, We're talking the best ingredients, quality packaging, affordable pricing, longer burning, none of those toxins and carcinogens and pollutants that are found in paraffin wax. Created by people who love candles. They started out experimenting, trying to create the perfect candle, and now they've blossomed into Sarah Candle Company. Through research, they were able to discover the benefits of the all-natural soy wax. There are instructions and details on each of your candles and on the website on how to keep your candle clean and ensure the perfect burn. Remember, we have to take care of these candles, and when we're going to be uh, lighting a flame, we want to make sure everything is safe, so follow the instructions. This is a perfect gift for someone right now. Holiday season, use that promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off your purchase. On this episode of That's What G Said Podcast, we're going to be talking a little bit of everything. We're going to have our buddy Chad Cooper discuss the Texans. We'll discuss a little bit of wrestling with him, the college bowl, a little landscape. We're going to go through the NBA, check in on on who's hot, who's not, the MLB winter meetings, lots of player movement coming around. We're going to discuss a couple shows that we are watching right now. Shameless will be uh, one of the focuses in the horse racing news and some plays for Thursday and for Friday. Don't folks, that's what G December 11, 2019. Thanks for G said podcast. Lots going on uh, on this episode, so we're going to get right on into it. Let's start with the uh, the NBA. We haven't talked a lot of NBA recently and right, they're playing some some good ball, but let's let's start elsewhere. We'll get to the Lakers in a, in a minute. It's only fair to start with Milwaukee with the Bucks. They've won 15 in a row. Now Giannis is going to miss his first game of the year tonight. As uh, recording this early in when uh, early Wednesday, he's gonna miss the game Wednesday evening. But they've won 15 in a row. They were playing the Clippers last week against a fully healthy Clipper team, and they were up by 40. Now I say fully healthy, Shamit wasn't playing, but I mean they had uh, Kawhi and Paul George. Milwaukee was up by 40. Now we're gonna have to see it with Milwaukee again. Are they are they a juggernaut regular season team when it gets into a playoff series when things slow down when the defenses get a little bit better? Is Giannis gonna be able to make the shots that he needs from the perimeter, from the free throw line. His free throw percentage is down a little bit this year. He's uh, he's only shooting, I think, 58.8% from the free throw line. He is improving his three-point percentage. He's up to 32, and he's at 
plus points a game, 30.9 points a game, 13 plus rebounds, five and a half assists, uh, 1.3 steals, 1.3 blocks. He's right up there as your leading candidate or one of the top few leaders. Couple huge games coming up for Milwaukee though. December the 16th, they play a really good Dallas team, and then the 19th, the Lakers come to town. Lakers are the other 21 and three teams, so 21 and three start to the year for the Bucks. They are 11 and one at home. How about the Sixers starting to play some good ball right now. They're 11 and two in their uh, last 13. They've beaten Miami, Toronto, Indy, Utah, Denver. They're 13 and 0 at home now. The 76ers. Ben Simmons actually made a three. Wow. So there's that. The Celtics have won four in a row. They are now 10-0 and at home. And they are playing a lot better than I, I thought they would be. I figured they'd be like a five through eight. Maybe four. Like middle tier Eastern Conference team. They're playing better. They've done so even in games where Kemba was missing. Where they've been a little banged up. Well, obviously the Hayward injury now. I think the, the question for them all year is going to be. How much of a contender are they? How real are they? Are they good enough to win the East? Are they good enough to make it to the finals? Are they good enough to contend with the top couple teams? Because do they have the bigs? Do they have the size to do? They are also 11-0 at home. Uh, the Nets, they're playing some good ball. They've won three in a row. They're 8-2 and two in their last 10. All of that without Kyrie. He hasn't played a game since November the 14th. And it's been the Spencer Dinwiddie show. He's up to uh, 20 over 20.5 points per game, 6.2 assists per game. So the Nets are uh, in that current 7 spot in the East right now. Right below them, you have the Pistons who are 4-1 and one in their last 5 with Blake Griffin. There's, it seems like Blake's still getting into shape. He's only played 12 games this year. Derrick Rose just uh, won them a game the other night. He had 17 points in the 4th quarter to win on Monday, and he's averaging 16 points a game, so giving them a little bit of a boost there. And then towards the bottom of the East, you have uh, some teams that are, are not very good. One team that's actually won more games than I thought they may win the whole season is is the Hornets. They are 4-6 and six now in their last 10. They got a couple close wins over Detroit in that span. They are 10-16 and 16 overall. The Bulls... They're struggling. They've lost three in a. They're three and seven in their last ten, and they're only eight and uh, seventeen over. And the Wizards, they continue to lose games. They're they're fun. They score a lot of points, but they just give. They're just so bad defensively. And the Wizards are now two and eight in their last ten, so they're down to seven and sixteen. The Hawks, they're really struggling. They're six and eighteen now. Uh, they're two and eight in their last ten. How about the Cavs? They're really struggling. They're Five and eighteen, and they've lost seven in a row. They're one and nine in their last ten. And the Knicks bringing up the bottom, four and twenty. They've lost ten straight games. They fired their coach. They're outscored. There are two teams in the entire NBA that are getting outscored by double digits a game: the Cavs and the Knicks. The Cavs are getting outscored by over ten and a half points a game, ten point seven points, getting outscored by over eleven points. And then over in the West. The two LA teams are up top, and they, the Clippers look really good. The Clippers are going to be excellent when they're healthy. The question is, how healthy is Kawhi? Even without Kawhi, when, when they load manage, they're going to be a good enough team to win most nights. But in a series, if you need Kawhi you know, in seven games against a tough team, can he do that right now? They're doing their best over there to try to give him all of the rest, all of the load management, so that way he can try to turn it on late in the season. 
And the Lakers are kind of doing the opposite. They're taking every single game, and they're kind of playing like it's the finals, which I like when you're a team that hasn't been there before. This can this current group of Lakers hasn't been there. I wouldn't like it if they were kind of coasting. You know, a lot of people are saying, ah, you know, LeBron's playing too many minutes, or Anthony Davis is playing too many minutes. I don't think so. Their minutes are down from their career averages. There's a lot of games where they're able to kind of take turns and, you know, manage their minutes in the, in the games. It's been fun right now for the Lakers. It really has. They are 11-1 on the road, the Lakers, and they've only lost a road game at Staples Center. That's not even a road game. So the number one and two seeds out west, the Lakers and the Clippers up top. The Lakers actually are four games ahead of everybody in the loss column, and the Clippers are... are right where they were hoping to be, having missed Paul George for some time, and then, you know, Kawhi in and out of the lineup. They're excellent at home. They've they've only lost one game at Staples Center. They're 13-1 and one at home. And then the Mavericks are third right now. And, and Dallas is, I think, a, a lot ahead of where people expected them to be. I don't know how many teams thought Dallas would be a top-tier Western Conference team this year, maybe towards the bottom... Eh making it into the playoffs, but overall, the one thing I, th- I think we're seeing, and this is what I was kind of preaching before the season, and everybody was saying, man, this Western Conference is going to be so tough, it's going to be so tough, and I, why, where, why? Now, let, let's be completely honest, in all fairness, the Warriors have a ton of injuries, they would have been a team that would have at least been tougher to play on a night-to-night basis when you have Steph in the lineup with the Pelicans, obviously, they miss Zion right off the bat, and they've dealt with a ton of injury. The Spurs have struggled. The Blazers have struggled. So those are teams that everybody were was expecting to be in the playoff mix, over 500 teams that were going to be really tough. And instead, you look through the East, and the two the teams in the 7 and the 8 spot right now are both under 500 with Oklahoma City and Phoenix. And when you look through the Western Conference, I mean, who really scares you? I think the Lakers and the Clippers are really good. I think Dallas with Luka could beat anybody. But I don't know if defensively in a series, are they going to be good enough against a really top-tier team? Houston, they have a ton to work out right now. Denver's struggling. What's going on with Jokic? Utah, everybody expected them to be much better. And Oklahoma City, I'm actually really impressed with what I've seen from them. They play the Lakers tough a couple times. They don't get beat up a lot. Chris Paul has done a really good job leading that team. They have some... The the questions with them heading into the year were okay. What kind of effort are you going to get from Chris Paul? Are they going? Is he going to buy in? And is he going to still? You know, is he going to sulk? And no, he wants to win. He's very competitive, and and when you have someone that wants to win every single night, there's a lot of games that he kind of can pick your team up and pick the energy up. And he's been a good from everything that I've read and heard. And, and he's on Shea Gildas Alexander. You know, the OKC has a positive point differential. They've won three in a row. Phoenix, that number eight seed, they're going to get eight and back. They've been a little bit banged up, too. They could be, you know, battling towards the the bottom of the uh, the Western Conference. And then uh, below them, we have the Sacramento Kings. They just beat the Rockets and the Mavs in back-to-back games. They're, after a slow start, they've missed some games with Fox. It seems like Luke is kind of figuring, figuring things out over there. And the T-Wolves are struggling. They've lost five games in a row. The Lakers just beat them the other night. They're now down to 10-13 and 13 after a really nice start to the season. Below them, the, the Blazers, they batted Carmelo Anthony in the 10 games he played with them. They were 4-6. and six. He uh, averaged 15.9 points a game, 40% field goals, thirty-five, almost 36% from three. 
uh, on 14, just under 15 field goals attempted per game, but he was playing close to 32 minutes a game. He wasn't playing bad. He was actually the conference player of the week, but they have, have missed, you know, Nurkic up there. And they don't really have wings now with Hood gone for the year. Portland's the team that constantly gets talked about in the Kevin Love rumors. Um, he's from up there. It would be a, a, a pretty nice fit. What do they have to give up? Do they have enough to give up? And then the struggling Spurs, they've won a couple games in a row, but they're, you know, they're 9-14. and 14. The three teams towards the bottom, Memphis, New Orleans, and Gold. They've all been 2-8, and 1-9, and nine, and 2-8 and eight in their last uh, th- in their last 10. And the Pelicans have lost 8 is 5-20. and 20. Again, they had all the injuries, so it's smart with what Golden State's doing. You just kind of treat this year as a uh, as a, a year to gain assets and a year to check out some of your young pieces because there's no point in rushing anybody back and re-aggravating a long-term injury when you're a team that can you know, have Curry and Klay Thompson coming back next year, plus the very high lottery pick they're going to be able to either use or most likely deal to get a veteran in some immediately. So they're going to be tough to watch next year. And it makes sense. Just tank and you just you just kind of say, screw it. We're not, we're not trying to win this year. So the Lakers play tonight. They're going to get uh, Avery Bradley back. They're going to be missing Kuzma, though. They're also going to be missing uh, Rondo, who has really played pretty well for the Lakers. Kuzma's still trying to find his way. His per 36 numbers aren't as bad as you think they were. He's actually shooting 36% from three, which is huge for um, for what we what the Lakers need from Kuzma. And he's giving you 17.3 points per 36. He's just not usually playing that much time, whereas he played those extra minutes the last couple of years when he was more of a the the offensive focal point. And that you know that really strong West. It was you know Utah, Denver, Houston. Those were the teams in the middle that we heard about, and they're just. Okay, I just don't know if any of them scares me in a playoff series. Those teams have a lot, you know, that they need to figure out. As of December the 10th, there were only three players averaging over 30 points a game. Harden, Giannis, and Luka. LeBron, the only one averaging in double-digit assists, 10.8 assists. Nobody else is uh, over 9.2. Drummond is uh, averaging 16.7 rebounds and was the only one up over 15. And then uh, Isaac and Anthony Davis are the only two players averaging over 2.5 blocks a game with Jonathan Isaac up at 2.86 and Davis at a at 2.65. So 21-3 starts for the Lakers in Milwaukee, and they're going to collide next week, which should be fun. Uh, you know, I look at top to bottom, we thought this was going to be more of a wide-open year. And when we really start to look at it, it feels like, you know, Lakers, Clippers, Maybe one more team in the West if they can make a move or so. And then out East, it looks like it's you know, probably going to be Milwaukee and the 76ers. And you know, Toronto's played really well. They might still be like a player away, though. Boston feels like they're a player away. Miami feels like they're a player away. So you start to, to really think of, okay, who can win it all? And I still think there's only like four, there's four or five teams now. Before the year, I might have had, you know, closer to 10. And now after a quarter of the season, remember we've only played 25 games for a lot of these teams, 24, 25 games. So things can change. Injuries can change very quickly. Everything can change. But right now, when we're looking at all these teams as is, and we've been able to see most of them fully healthy, a team like Indiana we haven't. I feel like everybody at their absolute best, and there's probably only four teams that I can see. Lots going on in the baseball winter meetings. There is just a ton of money being spent. The two big ones 
that we have uh, all been talking about the last few days. First, it was Steven Strasburg. Seven-year deal, $245 million with the Nationals, ages 31 through 37 years. This broke the previous overall record for total value for a pitcher and per year. Now, remember, Strasburg is your World Series winner right now. He had an incredible run in the playoffs. Since 2000, we talk about that he he misses a lot of games, but you know what? He's actually played a pretty good amount of games. It's the innings that he... They've kind of they babied him a little earlier on in his career, but he started twenty since two thousand eleven. He started twenty eight, thirty, thirty four in a playoff game, twenty three, twenty four, twenty eight in two playoff games, twenty two, and then thirty three in five playoff games. So, I mean, I that I, I think this is a good move for the Nationals because they they've basically gone in and said, hey, we're not we're not getting Rendon, who's going to be signing with the team sometime very soon in the next few days. And then and then Garrett Cole was the most recent one. Nine years, $324 million to the Yankees. And this has to... And it, it had been said that it was the Yankees, the, like the Rangers, the Dodgers, the Angels that were in the mix, that were um, all in discussions of offering Garrett Cole... It looked like the Dodgers offered something around eight years, three hundred million. So if you're someone that's saying that the Dodgers aren't trying, don't want to go out and make the big move. I mean, eight they they just made an eight year, three hundred million dollar offer. The Yankees gave him nine nine for three twenty four. Garrett Cole, a stat that I saw from Ryan Spader on Twitter, Ryan M Spader, the Yankees averaged five point eight two runs per game last season. Garrett Cole has a career 66-2 and record during, could be a lot of those games next year, pitching for the Yanks. With his reported nine-year, $324 million contract, Garrett Cole will be making, based on his 2019 totals, $1.9106,110,000 per strikeout, over $9,200 per. Garrett Cole getting the big money. So the next dominoes to fall should be Anthony Rendon. When Anthony Rendon signs somewhere, the Cubs with Chris Bryant, they're kind of playing the waiting game because whoever doesn't get Anthony Rendon, they're going to go look to that team and see if they want to make a trade for Chris Bryant because Donaldson's out there also. So the Cubs are just waiting. They're going to see where Rendon goes, where Donaldson goes, and they're going to try to find a team that maybe will struck out on those two and will overpay them a little bit in a trade. Mookie Betts reportedly... On the block, uh, there was uh, reports about David Price because the, the Red Sox, they need to shed some salary. Francisco Lindor heard some reports about him to the Dodgers, something about Seager going back. And then some of the uh, small, smaller signings that we've had through the, the last few days. Kyle Gibson to Texas, Jan Gomes to Washington, Jake Diekman to Oakland, Zach Wheeler to Philly for five years, $118 million. That's a, a big signing for Philly. The Atlanta Braves signed Cole Hamels for one year, $18 million. That's a, a nice move for them. Hamels was having a really good start to the year before he got hurt last year. Moustakis goes to the Reds for four years, $64 million. Uh, Marisnik goes to the Mets. Drew Pomerantz to the Padres, four years, $34 million. Hunter Strickland to the Nats. Jonathan uh, Villar and Jesus Aguilar go to Miami. Dylan Bundy to the Angels. Pineda to the Twins, two years, $20 million. The Padres get... Tommy Pham and a prospect. The Rays get Hunter Renfro and a nice Class A shortstop from San Diego who's a, a nice prospect. 
the Rays doing Rays things there. Uh, Alex Avila to the Twins. Howie Kendrick to the Nats. Going back there after a solid run in the playoffs, and he's going to go back there just for the year for six, a little over six million. Jordan Lyles to the Rangers. Uh, Junior Guerra to the D-backs. Didi Gregorius to the Phillies, one year. Kevin Gaussman to the Giants, one year, nine million. Zach Cozart traded to the Giants. Baseball transactions out there. Right now, so much going on in the world of sports. It's a great time to check out a new daily fantasy app. Most of you that listen to this show, you like sports, you like to play a a wager or two, you like fantasy sports. Right now, go download the Thrive Fantasy app. It'll give you an opportunity to play a new fantasy site. You can check it out and also puts a few bucks right back in my pocket. The key is when you download the Thrive Fantasy app, use the promo code GINO and deposit 10 bucks. Because if you deposit 10, it'll double your 10 right away. They'll give you a, t- a 20 right They'll give you 10 right back. It'll make it 20. So you get a $10 bonus credit just by typing in the promo code GINO as long as you deposit $10. So what this app is, betting app. So, you know, we look at Daily Fantasy a lot of the times, and they're based on your salary cap. Well, this one is different. There will be a prop. For example, it'll say Tom Brady over or under 250 yards, and it'll say over for 100 points, under for 80 points. You have 20 props to salute, uh, select from, and you choose your lineup of 10 props, and that's how your lineup is scored. That's how the points accumulated. I've played in this for weeks. You can see me in there. That's what G said. I always wanted to vet out all of these new sites, check them out, see how they do if you make some money and if you have to withdraw. Everything went perfect when I uh, did this with Thrive Fantasy. So make sure to go right now, Thrive Fantasy, download the app, put in the promo code Gino, deposit 10 bucks. You're going to get a bonus $10 right back. So instead of the 10, you'll have 20 in there to play around with to check it out. And I actually get a chunk of that right back in my pocket. So it'll help me out and I'll help you right back out with the, that $10 bonus credit. Little show sharing time. Uh, one of my all-time favorite shows is Shameless, and it's back for season 10 right now. So we're going to go through the first few episodes this year of Shameless. We'll talk about a show that I watched on Netflix called uh, Merry Happy Whatever, which is really corny and, and not that great. With some thoughts on that. There are some other really good shows out there on, on TV. In particular, I think this year I've seen some good holiday shows that are not your normal. They're not the same holiday movie you've seen every year, and they're not... A you know nothing wrong with the Lifetime ABC Family uh, Hallmark movies, but they're not one of the a little a little corny and, and way over the top. I think the Moody Family Christmas, which is on Fox, and there's a movie uh, a show that's called Home for Christmas, which is on Netflix. They're different. There's a lot of the common Christmas theme tropes, but they're not the same exact really over the top. Um, everybody can predict what joke is coming next type shows. So give those a watch. And I'm going to talk about them on the next episode. I'll give you a few more uh, days to check those out. That's Home for Christmas on Netflix. And that's Moody Family Christmas. And I've also gotten into laugh. I've been watching Fuller House every Just rattled through that. But that's not necessarily really breakdown. It's just if you're an old back on. And then I'm going to I'm gonna try to convince my girlfriend Stephanie. She loved Silicon episode of the show. Which was kind of sad. We were watching it knowing it was going to be the end. I love what they did with Silicon Valley. So we'll give you a few more days to watch that if you didn't. And then we'll... Uh, We'll recap Silicon Valley. But Shameless, we've had four or five episodes now of of Shameless through this season. And what was different about Shameless is no more Fiona, no more Emmy Rossum, who was like my all-time crush uh, on 
television over the last couple of years. I thought she was incredible. Like I fell in love with the character Fiona and how she took care of the family and everything. And, and so she's, she's off the show now. And so now I was curious, would this show be as good? How would they fill um, new characters coming in, new storylines? What's it going to be like? And, and they've done a pretty good job. Uh, through the, the first four episodes, it's, it's obvious that Debbie has kind of stepped up and taken that Fiona role now. She's basically, you know, we're seeing Debbie in this so much more with, you know, overlapping storylines that she has with all the different characters, unlike how she used to just kind of be like a placeholder in the background. And Debbie's kind of running this scheme where she gets outfits and she returns them back within the 30 days. So she'll go and she'll buy this really nice designer stuff, refund back. And she has a a storage locker where she has everything documented down on post-it notes all over which everything has to go back to which store by which date. She saw Fiona do this. uh, This is unlike anything that she's uh, Fiona ever did. And so Debbie's caught up in this. We have Carl who gets back from military school and he's right back with the, with Kelly who, his girlfriend, who is, she's only around for a few days before she heads back to school. Lip and his girlfriend, Tammy, they're about to go into labor. Tammy goes into labor. There's this real scary moment when she's having the boy, and we don't know if she makes it through or not. And so for the first couple episodes, we have Lip being Mr. Mom. He's having to take care of uh, of the, the baby. He's having to, a uh, little Freddy, he's having to take care of, you know, all the mom duties and the dab duties. He's smoking cigarettes. The baby doesn't catch the smell. He's using uh, napkins and tape as diapers because he doesn't have any cash and struggling, but he's, he's changing his life, and we see him kind of improving. It's 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 honest. I really, I love it right now because it's, it's kind of hitting home to me. Uh, and Liam, he's, he's becoming he's coming in touch with his, uh, his African-American roots, and he's trying to find out who he is. Uh, Kevin and V, they're having fun like always. Kevin kind of becoming an old becoming older and he's not as good as basketball and he's losing some of his masculinity starts out the season still injured begging for more painkillers like always conning running a nice con and then the the Frank and Mikey relationship that we see with Luis Guzman who is just incredible throughout uh, the first couple episodes it is really refreshing it's like the nicest we've ever seen Frank and they do a great job of making you like feel bad for someone who we should never feel bad for, Frank. And yet, we almost feel bad for him when we see in, I think it's episode four, Mikey mentions that he needs to go back to jail because he needs the health care. Because he's too poor to continue outside of prison. And Frank even says, I'll stop drinking for you. These two long lost friends, they were friends a long time ago. They found each other again. Mikey and Frank, they run wild and, and ru- completely ruin Debbie's scheme. It gets Debbie enraged. They have a day where they go out as businessmen and take advantage of all these free things at convention. So the the key it, to me, without that Mikey Frank throughout the first couple episodes, this would have been a, it would have been a struggle. And they they were able to really kind of pick things up. And I, I thought Shameless is now kind of starting to find their footing. And we'll see what happens as Tammy is healthy. She comes back to raise the baby with Lip. Love interest and in her whole family is cooking tamales in the house all the time. 
your typical shameless debauchery. Uh, I'm, I'm fine with how they've done so far this season. I was really, really nervous in the post-Fiona episodes if they would be able to. Because, you know, when you lose a major character, the shows really change and shift. And this one still has a lot of uh, who it is. You know, I think Fr- the key is Frank. Um, you know, you have Lip there, and now Debbie's kind of stepping into that Fiona role, which we've seen her take a little bit more uh, over the last couple of years. And then a really corn on Netflix. It's called Mary Happy Whatever. This is something if you have like young family, uh, young kids, or a lot of young people around, maybe you put this show on. It's like a it's an okay family sitcom. What I the one thing I like is that it does hit like in the like seven heaven sense it does hit on some some topics like one of the daughters is dealing with figuring out her sexuality after a divorce so there are it's not completely vanilla but it's just so basic the family coming home for the holidays and everyone's home and the new boyfriend around and he wants to ask the girl to get married and the dad hates him and the dad tells him no so then he's got to try to win the dad over and he's a musician, so the dad hates him, and he's a struggling musician, and he's poor, and it's just very, like, very basic. You can predict the pitch, you can predict the, the, you know, the, uh, the laugh at every, every moment. Like, you, you know what line is coming next most of the time. It's fun in, in the background to have. It's just not something you want to sit down and, like, focus in a ton of your time on. So maybe if you're doing a bunch of Christmas stuff, you throw that one on in the background. But the two that I much prefer, that uh, I'm just going to wait because I think there's one more for Moody Family Christmas to come out, and then we'll talk about that one. And then uh, Home for Christmas on Netflix, it's a little more risque, and it's not a family show by you know by any sense, but it's fun. It's way more entertaining. It's just like a different uh, – a girl goes back home with her family. She has to lie about uh, having a boyfriend. So then for the weeks leading up, she starts dating all these different guys to see – and the interactions with all the guys and her friends are, are good. I, I thought it was uh, – I enjoyed it quite a bit, so I'm I'm a big fan of the the Christmas movies, and we will discuss some of the all- next week. Let's get to some horse racing news. Uh, the Kentucky Commission is voting uh, voting on a Lasix ban, and this is something that's huge. We like to see the horses running with less drugs, less race day medication, and I don't like the idea of. Starting it with horses who have been already running on Lasix. I like it. I like the idea much better of it starting at the bottom with the two year olds. And so those horses begin and they all run without it in certain areas or are just all over. So uh, this this should be great. And unfortunately, from from a health standpoint, unfortunately, for like field sizes and betting opportunities, I don't know if this is going to be good right away, but horse racing needs a, a, some radical changes. And I think this will be. Overall, uh, a positive going forward. Dennis's moment. He's going to be headed to Gulfstream Park. He'll be starting his training for the Fountain of Youth, and they're going to likely have two starts before the Kentucky Derby. Donna Veloce, who just ran second at Los Alamitos last week, she's going to rest until March. She'll probably be trying the same thing before the Oaks. She'll be uh, looking for two starts before the Oaks. Bill Mott has a couple two-year-olds headed to Florida. Lake Avenue, who won the Demoiselle. Moon over Miami, who was a nice maiden special weight winner. That was one of the horses we gave out last week, actually, who uh, I think was 9-1. to one. Um, Antoinette, who won the Tepin Stakes. And then Forza Dioro, who actually didn't run well in the Remsen, 
they're all going to be headed down to Florida. And Florida Oro, or Forza de Oro is probably the the, uh, the most highly regarded of those. Santa Anita is doing a main track renovation, uh, a couple-day break in some timed workouts, full training on Wednesday, then no workouts on Thursday and Friday, and they're trying to make the racetrack just a little bit quicker. Trainer Jason Service on absolute fire right now since November the 26th. Nine stakes winners at five different racetracks. Three claiming crown races at Gulfstream Park. He won the Cigar Mile with Max and the Grade 3 Fall Highway with Happy Farm, who was a $30,000 claim. Maximum Security, who was a, a maiden $16,000 claimer. He's going to run most likely next up in the Pegasus World Cup, and he ran them off their feet. You know, we're, I'm going to talk a little bit about the racetrack, and it was really, I don't know if it was playing to front runners or it was just people, the riders, just letting someone go up front. But there were uh, five consecutive Gates Wire winners at Aqueduct over the weekend on Cigar Mile Day. First graded stakes winner for O'Dwyer with Shotsky winning the Remsen. And the Shotsky will likely be headed to the LeCompte at Fairgrounds or the Withers at Aqueduct. And Shotsky was the fourth straight wire-to-wire winner. And some of my friends on Twitter who we know very well, horse racing, you look at Darren Zocali, Scott Shapiro, Craig Milkowski, Nick Tamaro, they were all mentioning things about how in New York it seems like the riders kind of take turns going to the front end. Like, there's very few honest pace battles that set up. We had the Demoiselle with a 50-second half mile and the Remsen with a 50-second half mile. That just doesn't seem like it would make sense with... Some of these younger horses that are going long, you know they they all have speed in sprint races, yet they're going, you know, their lengths behind 50-second half miles. That's when it's frustrating because you look on paper, you handicap a race, and you see a lot of these horses that have shown speed, and that's what you're projecting, right? We're expecting them to be close to or on the lead, and then they just take back, and it's it, you're wondering why. Is it trainer instruction? Is it owner instruction? Do the jockeys think that that is going to give them the better chance in the race? I always wonder, because I'm not a jockey. I, I don't ride horses. Is there a moment in the race where you just kind of go, oh, crap, I'm, I'm too far behind, they're going too slow? And when that happens... Do you just say, okay, I'm going to sit and try to ride for second and third or pick up a piece? Or, and when that is about to, like when that thought is crossing your mind, are you saying, I got to go right now and try to get in the race? I don't know. I mean, I don't know what the mindset is. Because um, I just see a lot of, Todd Shrupp and I used to joke about it, we call it gentleman's, gentleman's racing. You know, oh, sure, we want to go up the rail, go right ahead. You know, oh, sure, we're going to go slow. Hey, everyone, I'm going to go 49. Joking, obviously, but I love when horses earn it. And that's why, you know, I've not been, like, pushing the maximum security bandwagon all year long. But I love that in in his race, at least, he ran them off their feet. There's a difference between a speed horse going, running so fast that no one else can keep up with them when they go, you know, seconds quicker than what we we saw in these races in the Demoiselle and in the Remsen. That's just one horse getting out front, and then whoever it is is gone. And when that happens in multiple races, and when it's not necessarily the horse that you think or should be on the lead, that's when it gets a little bit tricky for us as handicappers. And that's when I, I give it up to the riders who are making that move. And they look around and no one else is going. I'm gone. I just don't understand why more riders 
don't want to give themselves at least a shot by getting right in the right up in it early or doing what's best for your horse, right? That's what it's all about. It's not about hey, I don't have a speed horse, so I'm going to put my horse on the lead. It's hey, there's a bunch of these horses in here who have been best when they've showed speed. Let's put them right on the lead because that's where they're going to fare best. Most horses can't do like multiple things. If some horses are fast, you got to use their weapon. Other horses, they want to relax and settle and they can make a late run. You probably have to use their weapon. There are you heard me talk about versatile horses because there aren't that many of them that can do multiple things. Oh, hey, I can show some speed if need be. Oh, hey, I can take back if they're going too quick. You find a horse like that, that's a very nice one. So maximum security should be the three-year-old champ now, right? Florida Derby, Haskell, Cigar Mile versus Older. He beat the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile in there. What a year. Maiden 16 claimer and likely head to the Pegasus World Cup. Bob Baffert won five races on Saturday at Los Alamitos. He won both graded stakes for the third year in a row. The grade one Starlet with Bast. The grade two Los Al Futurity with Thousand Words. Both probably not running again until a little bit deeper into the Santa Anita meet. Santa Anita preps in early 2020. There's a really weird story going around about Stormy, Stormy Liberal, the two-time Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint champion, who is now not being trained by Peter Miller anymore. Read into this article. I'm just going to tell you the facts in here because I honestly don't know. There's a dispute between the trainer and the owner. Co-owner David Benson had purchased Rockingham Ranch's interest in Stormy Liberal. Miller had said that he recommended, along with vets, that Stormy Liberal should be retired. His quote from Peter Miller, It is my professional opinion that he has given and accomplished enough. While other owners certainly have the right to make their choices, I respect that. I would like the record to show that I was not in favor of this decision. This was a horse who was claimed for 40000 in October of 2016 and earned $2,043,000 after the claim. He's over $2.2 million in earnings. 12-time winner, 2-time Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint winner, but he was 8th in the race this year, and he did feel like he lost a step throughout most of the year. He was competitive still. Like, he wasn't getting crushed in his races. He was just getting good trips, and he wasn't winning races that he would have won in years past. And then the um, owner Benson, co-owner Benson, came out with a statement that said a lot of what Peter Miller said wasn't true. He said he had never, they had never discussed retiring him until... He told Peter Miller that he was going to remove Stormy Liberal from his care. He said that they even thought about running Stormy Liberal last week at Del Mar, but the race didn't fill, and now there's like back and forth between the two of them. So usually we don't see this out, like this kind of thing with people who have done business together. It generally only comes to the public when when it's gotten to a, a when it's gotten to a head, and it's been it's been bad, and it's been a lot of back and forth. So we'll keep monitoring this because it's a uh, one side saying this, another side saying that. And all of this has just come out in the last few days. So something to, to, to keep an eye on because it's just in this climate. Anytime someone says something about a horse being done or they shouldn't be running, running, everyone's going to take notice, right? This is a real time sensitive issue right now for horse racing with should, should a horse be running uh, over this track? Should a horse be running at this age? Uh, and so, yeah, something to keep an eye on. Let's get into some plays for Thursday. But before we said podcast, CindyCarava.com. Cindy Carava has been with us since really the, the very beginning here on That's What G Said podcast. And if you need 
anything in the world of real estate, she is who you have to get in contact with. I've known Cindy for uh, over a decade, and I mention her ads during the horse racing um, segments mainly because I think a lot of you know the name Carava, Jack Carava, who's been a trainer here in Southern California for uh, over 30 years. Cindy is one of the kindest, sweetest, most genuine people you will ever meet, and she is a full-service realtor. Um, She can help you with selling, with purchasing, with leasing. She can connect you with people. So maybe you're just looking to improve your own home, so you need a handyman or a painter or a landscaper or a gardener. So she has tons of people that she's worked with in her own homes, and she's used in the homes that she gets set up. If you need help with getting pre-approved for a loan, she'll connect you to the right people. She knows the lenders, and she works closely with them. She covers all parts of San Gabriel Valley, North San Diego County. So San Gabriel Valley, right next to Santa Anita, North San Diego County. We're talking Del Mar, Solana Beach, Rancho Santa Fe. If you want to find out anything um, about her, you can do so online, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. There's reviews about her on Yelp and Zillow or CindyCaraba.com. You can get all of her contact information there, all of the listings. Cindy, C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Any questions, you can shoot her an email, cindyc.realtor at gmail.com. She will even help you if you just want to know how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. Make sure to tell Cindy Gino said hello. That's cindycarava.com for all of your real If you hear uh, little Milo crying in the back, he, he's having he's having food over over in the other room. You know, so little Milo is is being well taken care of. I promise you, not not neglecting the child. He is uh he's being well cared for <laughs> in the other room. For uh, and I think he he just wants to be a part of the pot. He sees the mics getting all set up. He's there. Hey Milo, what's up, buddy? There he is. Thursday, December the twelfth. Get your past performances out. We're gonna go to Aqueduct. We're gonna go to Fairgrounds. We're gonna go to Golden Gate. We're gonna go to five different racetracks as we start at Aqueduct in race number one. And I'm going to go to the six here, American Values. I think if you get around five to two, worthy of win wager, make sure to throw this one in all of your exotics. He drew the rail in the debut. She drew the rail in her debut sprinting. And she veered in. She just completely missed the break. And she was double-digit lengths behind. And she just had no shot. Now she drops in class. She gets the surface switch. Mott's really good with second out horses, and with horses dropping into the maiden claim. So I just think she's a much better spot for American values, the exotics there, and make a win wager if you get over 5-2. to two. Let's go to race number 3 at Aqueduct, and let's go to the number 6 here, Punchline. Debuted almost a year ago uh, in December of 2018, and it was a really strong race. High Kyle was in there. That's your grade 3 Gotham winner who was third in the grade 1 Wood. There were a couple of next out winners in there, including American Mandate. And Spun to Run was also in there. That's the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. So just a tough race in the debut. Then came back in career start number 2, and Punchline was a little bit slow out of the gate, was squeezed out of a spot, was back to last of 6. was about 5 lengths off on the inside, was running on fine late, but the top two just had a really big jump on on punchline, and I thought he ran well for, for third. Now, he hasn't raced since April. That does concern me a little bit, but he should have every opportunity in a kind of a soft spot to improve, and I like the fact that we're talking about a six and a half furlong race. Generally, I don't like horses going six and a half who haven't 
raced in a while. It's a tough distance. But I think for Punchline, with his running style, it should just give him a little bit more of an opportunity here to pick up some ground late. So Punchline will make a win wager at 7-2. to two. Let's go to race number 5. And we'll go right to the inside with the number 1. Senga Kontakit, who was just outrun a bit early on in his debut, but he kept to the inside, and he got into a nice stride late. The top two were already long gone, but in her own little battle for third, which I like. I like when there's a couple horses that are all battling for a minor award, and I like when, when I can see that one of them just gets a little game late, and I thought that's what happened with, uh, with the one horse in here. Sengekon Tekit. Now comes the stretch out. And it looks like some of the top contenders in this race have speed. AJ Rock, you'd imagine to be forward. Six, Persisto, you'd imagine to be forwardly placed in here. And the probably going to be right on the lead or close to it. I think it'll set up really well for the one. Save some ground from the inside. We'll make a win wager at anything around four to one. Let's go to race number seven. I just don't think there's a lot of speed in here. Allowance optional claimer, optional 62, non-2. The 5, Dougie, Mr. Dougie Fresh, is just pretty consistent. Since his win in May at Belmont Park, he tried Grade 2 company. It was in a little tough. He hooked a horse named He Hate Me after that, who's Grade 3 place. That's a stakes horse. And then he has some solid races in some similar spots at Saratoga and at Parks. Last out, he ran into Complexity. That's a grade one winner from earlier this year who was making his return to the races. He he was pressing just off the lead in second. He just couldn't go on with Complexity. He really tried in between horses. He held second very well. He was just no doubt second best that day behind a nice runner. He should be sent hard from the lead in here. He hooks a field without a ton of speed. I think he could take this field gate to wire. Let's go with Mr. Dougie Fresh in here. Uh, Mr. Dougie Fresh at 3-1 to one will make a win wager. Make sure to use him in all of your exotics. So at Aqueduct, we have four for you. First race, the number six, American Values. Third race, the number six, Punchline. Fifth race, the number one, Sengi Kontekit. And seventh race, the number five, Mr. Dougie Fresh. Let's get you over to Fairgrounds. Get your past performances out for Fairgrounds. We'll have two plays at Fairgrounds, two plays at Golden Gate, two plays at Gulfstream, two plays at Turfway coming up. And keep in mind, when these horses, if they get bet down, when they get bet down, if there's a scratch, if there, there are changes in the race, if there are changes in the surface, then we probably stay away. We want the price on each of them that we, if we're going to make those win wagers or if we're going to play those, uh, those exotic, uh, play them individually. Fairgrounds, fifth race. Let's go to the number six, Georgia Dawn, who puts the blinkers on today. The first two races were at Belterra and Thistle. They were sprinting, and they were both fine. And then she stretched out at Churchill, and that group was just a little too tough, and it was a race that was taken off the grass. Now she gets the blinks, and she gets to go long against Louisiana Breads. She faced open company in all three. This should be nice class relief in here for Georgia Dawn. We will make a win wager at 4-1 to one on Georgia Dawn and include her in your exotics. And then over in the 8th, go to the number 5. He was last seen on November the 7th. It was a nice return after a small freshening, and he was a winner at Remington Park in a race that was taken off the grass. It was on uh, the wet track. He just always shows up with a really strong effort. He's not a win machine, but he doesn't burn money. What do I mean by that? 
He hasn't been your beaten favorite over and over and over again. When he loses races, or when he runs second or third, it's in races that are pretty tough, and he loses to a horse or two that he, he's just probably not as good at. You see a horse like Concord Fast, who defeated him multiple times, and you see a horse like Totally Boss, who's a grade three winner. Lawton has run well at fairgrounds, come back, he has the little prep there. I'm not as concerned with his overall record. He's not really a win machine, right? Well, he just he shows up, he's run well, and I think in, in a lot of these spots he's been in, in just a bit tougher, against a bit tougher. This is a really nice spot for Lawton. If we get anything over three to one, we'll make a win wager on the five Lawton. The two plays at Fairgrounds. Fifth race, the number six, Georgia Dawn. Eighth race, the number five to Golden Gate. Started in uh, Golden Gate's third race with the number three, Coco B. She came off the bench on November the 23rd. She showed really good speed. She pressed just off the leader. She's always within striking range in her races. She really only has a couple poor performances. One of them was in her career debut. The other was in a race in March, and that was the race that sent her to the bench, and we hadn't seen her since March. What I like about this race is how she's drawn in comparison to the other two speeds. I think she's going to be right to the, just kind of stalking to the outside of the one and the two who are, you know, top contenders in here, and they're both pretty quick. So left alone draws the rail, and then sweetly spoken is going to be right next door. Those two are probably quicker than Coco B, and they should be playing a little back and forth while Coco B sits right behind them, stalks and pounces. I like Coco B in race number three at Golden Gate at five to two. The only concern I have with her, she's coming back a little quick. I would love if there was like another week or two weeks in between races because she did have to work a little bit hard late, but I feel like this race is, she's really going to trip out in here. She should get a great, great stalking trip from just the outside of the, uh... let's go to the sixth race at Golden Gate, the number two Egyptian goddess. She went down to her nose at the start last time out. She was last. She had, it was double-digit lengths behind, but she settled nicely. She kept to her inside, and she really started the roll. She moved in between horses. It was a strong gallop out, and she was chasing lone speed winner Annalie Encore, who she's actually been behind in her last couple starts. She's really Egyptian goddess has just really improved when um, when stretched out and when moved to the grass, and so I. Th- to me, I think it was a combination of the two. The surface doesn't bother me at all. This is a surface that Egyptian Goddess has trained over at Golden Gate. So I'm just expecting a Egyptian Goddess to continue the improvement here for really good barn, Jonathan Wong. Two plays at Golden Gate. Third race, the number three, Coco B. Sixth race, the number two, Egyptian Goddess. Let's get you over to Gulfstream Park for Thursday. A couple plays from Gulfstream Park in the fourth race. Let's go to the number six, Wicked Mercury. Second time starter here. Wicked Mercury, the damn, actually, uh, Amy Limehouse, won a maiden claimer at Gulfstream Park. Uh, She was actually uh, favored in her debut, Wicked Mercury was, at Laurel. She was outrun a little bit. She was a couple lengths off. She was tucked inside in fourth. She moved through nicely, but she really just couldn't go on with the runaway winner. She did have some traffic in the stretch, she really had like had to go in between horses, and it might have cost her second. I think she's a a horse who I will play a win wager on anything over six to one, and I'm going to use in the exotics with the number seven Midnight Bella, who I just think will be really tough in here. So uh, use the six uh, to win 
Wicked Mercury, and in the Exotics with the 7. And in the 10th race, we're going to go to the number 11, Chaos Kid. Just key off his turf form. Was in a race that was rained off the grass last time out, where he was actually favored. Just put a line right through that. It was the race, the two races at Colonial were the ones I really like in uh, in August and September against Maiden 40s, and then against Maiden Special Weights when the runner-up that day. Two starts back when facing Maiden Special Weights at Gulfstream Park West was behind a horse named Zaino Boy, who just came out of that race to win the inaugural stakes at Tampa. Career best races on the green. Chaos Kid will make a win wager at 3-1. to one. Make sure to use in your exotics. So at Gulfstream Park, fourth race, the number 6, Wicked Mercury. Use with the 7. And then the 10th race, the number 11, Chaos Kid. And let's get Turfway Park for Thursday. So how about that? Aqueduct Fair Gulfstream. And now, fifth race with the number 8, Valley Core. Valley Core is not very good over fast dirt. And the last few times we saw him at Churchill, he was facing tougher. This is a good spot to try the synthetic. There aren't any monsters in here. A top race from him makes him really competitive. Two-back runner-up in the slop still shows he has something left. We'll make a win wager at 5-1 to one on Valley Core. And then in race number 6, let's go to the number 5, Profound Legacy, who broke well but really just couldn't get to the lead last time out like he wanted. He sat third. He was two off in the clear. He was traveling well. He loomed up three deep. He was right on terms, and he took the lead at the top of the lane, but he just could not quicken with the top two. He tired late. I'm expecting him to be forwardly placed. Should be right on the lead or just off. We'll make a win wager at 5-2. to two. So the two plays at Turfway Park, the fifth race, the number eight, Valley Core, and the sixth race, the number five, Profound Legacy. So you have plays from Aqueduct. Fairgrounds, Golden Gate, Golfstream, best of luck. College football bowl games will be starting really uh, December the 20th. We're going to have 41 games between December 20th and January the 13th. Full bowl schedule is out, and we will have a bowl contest. Just finalizing some of the terms on which sites we're going to use. All the details will be out soon, so start studying up those bowls. We're going to have a, a That's What G Said bull contest where we will give away prizes and the opportunity to come on and uh, co-host a segment with me. Before we get into the Chad Cooper interview, I want to mention Sarah Candle Company, sarahcandles.com. Right now, use the promo code GINO, G-I-N-O, and you get 10% off of your entire purchase. They have 25 different candle scents, and this isn't just your regular candle company. They have created this company with a goal. Their goal, 100% natural, clean-burning, high-quality candles that everyone can enjoy, all-natural soy wax, free from toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants, lead-free cotton wicks, natural scents, they burn longer. They even have a, a Del Mar scent for those of you horse racing fans. Go check it out right now. Sarah Candles, C-E-R-A Candles.com. Use the promo code G-I-N-O for 10% off. Up next will be our interview with Chad Cooper, good buddy from Flag Sports. And we touched, uh, touch on everything with Chad. He is over in Texas, so we talk about the Houston Texans. We talk about the Dallas Cowboys. We talk about the Garrett Cole leaving the Astros. We discuss some WWE, some All Elite Wrestling. Thoughts on the 
college football playoff bowl games. Sit back and enjoy as we bounce around the world of sports. Up next, the interview with Chad Cooper. Very excited to have a good friend back here joining us again on That's What G Said podcast. It's funny, uh, I think Chad and I became close initially talking about horse racing over at Delta Downs, but then we kind of really would talk a lot of wrestling. And now, Chad, as, as most good friends have, we can discuss anything. That's why I love bringing you on here because I was uh, kind of giving you a little bit of a rundown for what we're going to talk today. We had Texans, Cowboys, college football, uh, Cole leaving the Astros, NFL plays, um, we had WWE, AEW. I mean, I could literally do like a week's worth of shows of just you and me talking about all the different topics going on right now, buddy. That's why I love having you on. How you doing? I'm doing well, my friend. It makes for a compelling conversations between you and I. Okay, let's get started right away because I think the last time we talked, it was right before the NFL season and we were previewing the Texans and what a really tough schedule they had. And so it's funny how how kind of perspectives and things change because if we would have said at that at that time hey if the Texans are 8 and 5 right now and they got two games coming up with Tennessee and they have their they control their own destiny we would have said you know what that's a pretty good year they're doing pretty well with the the schedule that they had but it's just the way that they've had some of the losses and to me the most frustrating thing is they seem like um a team that it doesn't get as pumped up necessarily as at home to play really good. Now, they had that good home win a couple weeks ago against the Patriots. But when you look at this team, they're very inconsistent, Chad. They have not won three in a row this year, but they haven't lost back-to-back games. So, so who I'm is a, this team? Gino, I'm often a big believer in, especially a pro team, and maybe even college as well, they, they get their identity from their head coach. And I think that's has been the way with Bill O'Brien. Uh, a lot of the Houston Texan fan nation down here, are not a fan of Bill O'Brien. Um, they won their Super Bowl, so to speak. They they beat the Patriots was like the first time, you know, in, in what seven or eight, maybe ten tries that they they've played. And I, I'm not upset that Denver beat them because anything can happen in the sure. NFL. Should they have lost to Denver? Absolutely not. But to be down thirty-eight to three at home, you know. The fans booing, majority of them left, you know, at halftime. You and, know, and, you, and you see the score, and it says 38-24, and that does not even tell oh, a no. tale. That was all garbage time. I mean, oh, they, they, Denver just kicked the crap out of them. They whipped them. Um, Texans are, are notorious for a, a slow-starting team. But as you mentioned, they haven't lost two in a row. What You know, they do tend to bounce back. You know, if mm-hmm. you look at their schedule, they lost to New Orleans, come back, beat Jacksonville. Lost to Carolina, came back, put 53 on Atlanta. Did it with Indy, beat Oakland, lost to Baltimore, came back, beat Indy. But now, with three games left, the pressure is on, and now you're going on the road uh, in cold weather to face Tennessee, who all of a sudden has benched their quote-unquote star quarterback, you know, Mariota, that they drafted a couple years ago. He was the franchise, and Ryan Tannehill is, what, like four and five, six and one now since becoming the starter in Tennessee, and and they've got a stud running back in Derrick Henry. I love Tennessee in this spot. Uh, I know I think it's a three-point favorite. Uh, I like Tennessee. I think they grind it out, and I think the Texans are a little bit in trouble now. They come back on a short week and play Tampa Bay, and then they're back home with Tennessee. I think Tennessee has a sandwich game in there. I believe they play the Saints at home. But yeah. you know, I, this Houston, it's this this slow start. It, it's been their downfall all year, and now Will Fuller. We talked about this at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. Will Fuller is never healthy. Guess what? He's hurt again. 
They're limited. Uh, Houston don't have a running game, so it's Watson. Uh, you know, just uh, in Hopkins, I like Tennessee in this spot this week. It, they don't have enough playmaker. They're not deep enough. As we've seen with a lot of the football teams this year, there are very few teams that are deep enough to be missing like crucial components to their team. And I think after a few weeks now, the Watt injury kind of starts to to because some of your players can step up for a week or two, or sometimes even three. But then when it's you know four, five, six weeks, players that are trying to play over their head a little bit too much, it's it's crazy because the the few things that we discussed at the very beginning of the season, which would which were probably going to be their Achilles heels. Will Fuller, the injuries, can can their playmakers stay healthy? Can they run the ball? And the secondary, I mean, the secondary was one thing that we talked about from the very beginning. Now, I will give them some some praise in that they have done a better job with their offensive line. They were able to make a move or two. They were, it, it seems like when they play well, Watson doesn't get hit as much. So he's not getting hit every week over and over the way he used to be. But when you have a defense that's like a bottom seven defense in the league, are you just putting too much on Watson's shoulders right now? He just has to be so good in all of their wins. Yeah, and that makes him real vulnerable. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he's got, he wings it. You know, they don't want him running as much, but we, we don't really have a running game. And when you're down to basically one offensive threat, and, you know, Hopkins is a stud. He is what he is. He makes plays. But, you know, the Texans had a lot to play for, though, with Denver. Yeah. If they beat Denver, they're probably going to have a first-round bye. Now they're playing for a playoff spot for the division title, which is going to be a playoff spot. So it's just, I I just don't understand this team. And it's, it's, it's really disheartening uh, to to see them lose like that. And now with three games left uh, and two against Tennessee, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for them to be in. Yeah. Cause when you go back and look through the season and you're just going to look at the two games, the Carolina game and the Denver game are going to be the ones you circle at home. And you're going to say, really, we couldn't have played a little bit better those games and we could have controlled our own destiny. As you mentioned, they have wins over, uh, over the chiefs and over the Patriots, which would be huge, you know, as far as like tiebreakers and, and getting home field advantage, but that may not matter now if you can't take care of business against the Titans team. That's completely rejuvenated. As you mentioned, Ryan Tannehill has just been incredible. He's kind of just, um, it seems like he's just playing. I think that when he was in Miami, when he was supposed to be the guy, he was like putting too much pressure on himself. We've seen that Adam Gase isn't a very good coach. He was thinking a lot, and now he's just playing football. I mean, there's like no pressure on him at all. He's just out there slinging it, and he has been absolutely incredible. And so now it's crazy because the Texans are at eight and five, and they're actually maybe in worse shape than the other team in, in Texas. The Cowboys, who are six and seven, but somehow <sighs> still control their own destiny to get into the playoffs. We hear all the NFC lease jokes, the dumpster fire. I mean, this has gotten really bad, though. We had an Eagles team that almost lost. They had to go to overtime at home against Eli Manning and the Giants just to keep themselves alive. We have two teams that are six and seven. They both have three games left, and the real key game is going to be the game in two weeks when the cow or the game at the end of the year. I think when the Cowboys and the Eagles play each other. That's going to be really to determine who's going to go to the playoffs because, Chad, we may have a team that's under 500 again. I think there have been two teams under 500 in the history of the NFL that have made the playoffs when they've won their division. And crazy enough, both of those teams actually won their playoff game, their home their home playoff <laughs> game. And, and that's kind of how I feel about these two teams, right? Like, they're bad. 
right now The Cowboys are not playing well The Eagles are not playing well They're a little more banged up So maybe we can give them a little more of a mulligan For the Cowboys it feels like it's more coaching And, and just the organization overall But what's scary is like One of these teams is going to get a home game And they're talented enough to win But what the hell is going on in Dallas right now They lost three in a row They got you know, they've been embarrassed in the last couple of games on national TV because this has been their string of national TV games, and now they're just they look lifeless out there. And you use the the key word that I was gonna use. It's it's been embarrassing for them and for Jerry Jones to be an outspoken, a billionaire, over the top, wants the best, look at the stadium, uh, look at their merchandise sales, uh, domination. Uh, there's not a lot going on that's good, very good for them right now. And if the one thing, if you, I know a lot of people don't like Dallas, but in Texas, it's still Dallas Cowboys, right? So if you watch a Dallas Cowboy football game, especially over the last three weeks, you mentioned this losing streak. Look at the sideline, okay? There's like nine or ten, maybe a dozen different little factions. They're all kind of separated. They're in their own little cliques. Like Dax over here with his buddy, uh, you know, Ezekiel Elliott's mad. He's over here. The defense is doing here. There's all kind of ego problems on that team. Uh, Elliott got his big contract, you know, sat out through training camp and preseason and then just came on to open the season on fire. This guy hasn't rushed for 100 yards in the past five or six games, I don't think. Uh, Where has he been? The running game has disappeared. Um, they're throwing the ball a lot. You know, the pressure's on Dak. He's, he's making a lot of mistakes. They're, this is just a dumpster fire. And uh, you're right. They play the Rams at home this week. And if they lose to the Rams at home, which they can. Very well. The Rams are the playing Rams, better. Yeah. yeah they, they have, the Rams aren't world beaters, but they have a lot to play for, too. If they beat Dallas, Dallas is in trouble because then they go to Philadelphia and that is the game because mm-hmm. Philadelphia plays the Redskins this week. The Redskins are playing better. They're playing tougher. You know, they got an interim coach, you know, but Philadelphia probably will win that game. And then that game with, with, with Dallas, that's, that's basically a winner-take-all situation. Um, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. Well, let's, let's move from the pros to the college ranks. This year, I think, I mean, we have three really good Football teams in college football The final four, the college football playoff has been announced Now all the bowl games are set up Which this is a real fun time now Starting uh, the 20th or so I think we got what 40 games uh, Between December 20th and like the first week of January There's going to be a couple games Almost every single night Lots of a- action for us to, to bet on But when we think about these final four teams I mean in particular the, the final three have had incredible years And then you have Oklahoma who is as, a ta- as talented As anyone and who can score um, You have LSU Versus Oklahoma, you have Ohio State Versus Clemson, we have the three Heisman finalists that are amongst these Four teams, what do you think of the matchup For the final four, it feels like we got it Right, because the, the teams that Needed to get in, they kind of helped the committee In that they lost and they didn't really make it controversial In here, the committee didn't really have much Of a decision to make, it seemed like this this Played out pretty well this year for uh for the football committee. Yeah, it was pretty interesting. The committee, the only thing I have to say about the committee is, uh, and I believe they've got it right. I mean, if you don't think Oklahoma should be in, I mean, where do you go from here? You know? So I, I I think they've got that part, right. I didn't like, they were a little inconsistent. Uh, You know, should LSU have jumped Ohio state? I'm not sure. I know Ohio state played bad in that first half, but 
the Big Ten deserves a lot of credit this year. I think they have more teams ranked in that college football rankings in the top 25 than the SEC. I think it's six to five. Um, but nonetheless, um, what's funny is a lot, you know, LSU fans, because I'm even though I, I'm here buried in, in southeast Texas, it, this is a lot of LSU country around here. And all these people were saying, we don't want to be number two. We deserve to be number one. Ohio State, no, we deserve to be number one because nobody wanted to play Clemson, right? Mm-hmm. Well, if nobody wanted to play Clemson, why was it Clemson number one? Yeah, you're right. That, that's, my, that's my only thing. But, you know, LSU, I think they're, they're giving two touchdowns to Oklahoma. Here's my concern with Oklahoma. They have Jalen Hurts, great quarterback. You know, I watched him play in high school in Channel View. Of course, he's, he's a transfer uh, portal kid. Uh, you know, him and CeeDee Lamb. What else do they have? They have an okay running game. Their defense is better than last, you know, their last couple of defenses. But, you know, anything can happen. They play the game, right? I, I just, I love LSU in this spot. You know, uh, Burrow's going to win the Heisman. It's, it's not even going to be close, uh, you know, what this kid has done and, and what a year of difference makes. So with LSU just bringing in Joe Brady, offensive coordinator that knows what he's doing, probably saying, uh, saved uh, coaching jobs down there uh, at Ogeron's in Baton Rouge. But LSU is just a, you know, it is what it is. And, I, hey, I'll say it now. I am not an SEC guy. I don't. That's all I have to hear about is SEC <laughs> down here. But LSU is really good. They'll beat Oklahoma. And, look, you know, look at Clemson. They're the number three seed, right? You know, they're, they're a two-and-a-half now some places up to three-point favorite Ohio State. And that game is going to be unreal, you know. Clemson with their quarterback and these wide receivers and a great defensive line. And on the other side, Ohio State, you know, can they keep, uh, you know, Justin Fields? Uh, can they keep this guy from from getting hammered? And J.K. Dobbins is is a Texas running back. This I watched him in high school. He's a stud. You know, Ohio State's got one great defensive back. They've got a solid secondary. That's the game that I can't wait to watch. Um, but nonetheless, you know, when you count an Oklahoma team out, you know, Lincoln Riley's a great coach. Some say he's the next, you know, maybe, you know, young college coach to go into the NFL. But uh, if he wants to write the history books, uh, it'd be upsetting LSU. But I just do not see that happening. Uh, I'm going to stick on Clemson's bandwagon, even though I, I made a lot of money this year on Ohio State. I did with, with Clemson as well. I think Clemson's like 8-3, and 9-2, and 10-2 against the spread this year. A lot of those spreads were 3-4 touchdowns, I mean, right? I, I tried to go Woo. against them last week just because I felt like, okay, Clemson's in. It's 28-and-a-half now. Virginia at least has a quarterback in Perkins who can kind of run around and maybe just keep this close early. And they were keeping it close early. And they did. That and they good. did. And they still just get blown out. And I'm watching this game going, wow, they 28-and-a-half and they couldn't <laughs> get – and they still catch that. So I, I think that because the the – Clemson schedule and because of the, the the conference that sure. they're in where they just don't play a lot all year, we kind of forget about how good they are, you know, because we don't see them in, in like these big primetime games where they're like having to win a game and they're having to come from behind. Since that North Carolina game where they had a scare, I mean, they have wiped the mat with with basically everybody the rest of the year. And it's crazy how just, you know, three years ago, we're talking about Alabama as the perennial team in the playoffs and Alabama as the team with the all of the NFL talent. And man, what they've done over there at Clemson is absolutely incredible. You look out there on both sides of the ball, and all they have is future NFL players. And that Ohio State-Clemson game is going to be incredible. I think, from the feel of it, I think I'm probably with you. It sounds like you are probably leading Clemson in that side, too. And I'm expecting probably an LSU-Clemson final, which I think would be incredible. 
And in that game, I'd have to kind of look at a little bit more because sure. I, I could just see it going really either way. I'm with you, you know, Burrow and Ed Orgeron down there as a former USC fan. It's like mixed emotions because I'm sad that he's not doing it for USC, but the poor guy, he's done a great job and he he didn't do anything to USC. You know, all he wanted to do was be the head coach at USC. And they said, nah, you know, we don't think you're quite ready. And, and look what's happened to both of those two programs since they've made that decision. So uh, it was a, a real like show me moment for Orgeron with LSU. LSU's done a great job too, because remember Orgeron was over at Ole Miss and he struggled before. He, it's sure. not you. You need the support. You need to be put in a uh, position to succeed. They had a few years at LSU that you know that weren't great, but they weren't bad. And they said, you know what, we like what Orgeron's doing here. We're going to stick with him, and uh, and they've just done an amazing job. So I, I'm really excited for these final four. I think we have two really really good games on, and we'll have to follow you along because. Chad, let, let us know a little bit. You do a lot of uh, NFL picks, a lot of college picks, and you have had a really good year. At one point, you were scorching hot, incredible. So for some of us who want to follow some of your selections, where can we get those? Yeah, and they're absolutely free each and every week. FlaggedSports.com. That's F-L-A-G-G-E-D Sports.com. And on Twitter, at the Chad Cooper. Yeah, I had a pretty good run. Uh, at one time, I was like 95 and 50 against the yeah. spread. Uh, this is college football. And, uh, you know, I just got on fire. And a lot, of the, a lot of the chalk I was taking was like Clemson and Ohio State. I was on Big these ones. teams because they had to showcase these wins, you know, to make sure they had their spot there um, in, in, in the college football rankings. But, yeah, uh, those are the places to find me. And, uh, uh, you know, looking forward to some of these bowl games, man. It should be an interesting season. Okay, let's move from the football talk over just quickly. Uh, your Astros have have had a really good couple of years. I mean, they've been the best team in baseball the last three or four years. But the money at these winter meetings right now, we just saw a, a player who was very good for the Astros the last couple of years, Garrett Cole. He is now the highest paid player in baseball, the highest paid pitcher in baseball. He's going to make $324 million for nine years. And what's crazy about this, Chad, he's a pitcher. He only yeah. plays one every five days. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's the, you know, everyone knew that Garrett Cole was not coming back to Houston. It just, it was simple as that. You know, we knew it. Everyone knew it. I think baseball knew it. Uh, I, I think a lot of the perception was, okay, he's a California guy. Um, probably the Angels. They have a big checkbook. Uh you know, and I think Major League Baseball was maybe leaning towards that because if you look at the schedule, you know, Anaheim opens the season in Houston, and that first game is uh, is on. It's one of those ESPN games, I believe, it's the day game. So everybody thought, okay, Garrett Cole versus Verlander. We've got early season drama, and then over the last couple of days, all we've heard was uh, the Yankees, the Yankees, the Yankees. And there was a mystery team says, so, oh, okay, Houston may be in play in this. Really, was it? But three hundred and twenty-four million in nine years on a pitcher. You know, some pitchers. You're these guys aren't guaranteed two or three seasons because, you know, of arms. But what this he deserves it. I'll say this. I watched this guy pitch in person many a times, uh, and it just hurt not to see him pitch in Game Seven, regardless um, of a no rest or a short rest situation. But well deserved. Probably should have won the uh, the Cy Young. And I'm a Justin Verlander guy, but uh, it's well-deserved. I hate the Yankees, but, uh, man, uh, nine years, 324. And as you said, every five days, uh, kudos to him and his agent. 
Yeah, they did a great job. I think with the mystery <laughs> team, they were probably just building up his price sure. a little bit more. You know, oh, just yeah. just getting up. But it's it's an amazing how things change in just a couple years. Because like three years ago, nobody was talking about Garrett Cole. No, nobody even knew. I mean, he was he was a an above average MLB pitcher and, and a good pitcher, but he wasn't the guy or the next guy. But what he and I agree with you, what he's done. In, in the two years are incredible in, in a weird way I think like I had heard some rumblings about the Dodgers maybe getting him and uh I'm 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 with you in that he deserves the money but I'm kind of glad that it wasn't my team that gave it to him just because I feel like man three years from now this could be a contract for the end of the five or six years or maybe he gets a little comfortable what I like about him is that he still hasn't uh he still hasn't won the big one yet so right. he, maybe he's still hungry to get that World Series, but the the length is what really scares me with the contract like this. And I, I would have, it's, it, I would have taken it obviously as a Dodger fan. Sure, you would have sure. taken it as a Houston fan. But I guess maybe when I'm when I'm looking back at it, you know, the Dodger, the, there were some rumors out there and laughing that the Dodgers probably made some kind of an offer where they're like, we're gonna give you a, a 150 million for three years. You know, like the Dodgers is <laughs> right, not like right. tying up their money for long long term periods of time, but. Uh, just it's really crazy what we saw with Strasburg, uh, who who just one day before made two hundred forty five million, and then uh, I think twenty four hours later they just say, "Ah, eh, you know what? We're gonna we're gonna bump <laughs> it up to three hundred twenty four million." Chad, we cover sports. I mean, we should have been the throwing a baseball. I, I guess uh, our, our our pop should have should have made us throw that baseball a little bit more when we were young, right? Oh yeah, especially these pitchers, these numbers, these guys getting in. The Astros are going through a lot of changes. Uh, talk now, Correa is on his way out. Crazy that three years ago he's rookie of the year, and now he, you know, he's batting one eighty, can't stay healthy. So hey, the winter meetings, it's fun. If you're a baseball fan, this is where a lot of action takes place. Yeah, this is. And some years they're quiet, but that has not been the case at all this year. No, there's a, a lot of big names. We we keep hearing about maybe Bryant and Lindor as also on the trade market. So yeah, lots of fun. If you're a baseball fan, uh, keep. Uh, Keep an eye on what's happening right now. And last thing that we'll talk about, Chad, as we as we maneuver over, we're big wrestling fans. I follow you a lot. You cover uh, lots of different wrestling from you do some ring announcing, photography for lots of different um, independent organizations, quote unquote minor league organizations. But you know, we watch WWE, we watch AEW. What what's sad to me right now when I'm watching the current WWE product, and um, I think. All Elite Wrestling, the jury's still out because it's new. They're, it's a little exciting. I think the fans are going to give them the benefit of the doubt for the for a little while till they maybe find their footing. But with with WWE, it's a bummer because, I mean, right now there are more good wrestlers from top to bottom in WWE, AEW, PW, you name any independent organization. There's better wrestlers, men, women. All over right now than there's ever been before The talent level is incredible And just looking at the WWE roster They have an unlimited source of talent But we just don't get like good storyline Good continuity It feels like they're just kind of going through the motions A lot of the time um, I liked what they did a, a, a few weeks ago When they had NXT in the Survivor Series And the NXT TakeOver And we had NXT kind of taking over SmackDown and Raw and then as soon as Survivor Series is over, they just completely drop that. I mean, there's like nothing more of it. NXT's back on NXT, and and that's really it. I do you feel a little deflated to watching the product? Yeah, especially after the the Survivor Series pop. 
Um, yeah. I mean, that was incredible. Uh, NXT, if, yeah, if you look at their television ratings, they beat AEW for a couple of weeks in a row. So I know a lot of people, you know, uh, you got to beat so and so in ratings. That's how you know the show is better, blah, 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 which is totally not the case. Silly. But yeah, yeah, you know, NXT is, you know, it's the of WWE is probably the best product mm-hmm. to watch, you know, two hours every Wednesday night. It's solid. Uh, they've got some, you know, great workers. I, I, I will say this about the WWE. I do like what they're doing with their women's roster and their women's division. Absolutely. I think, I, you know, they have some great talent on there. But if you look on the other side of things, you would think the WWE, they have the network, right? You would think like the UFC, you know, has their own, you know, fight pass. So there's more cards. There's more shows. Okay, so you think the WWE would do more? Well, you have WWE main event, eh, you know, that's on the network. You have 205 Live. But some of these guys, especially after the, you know, the draft, you know, Cesaro didn't even get drafted. He's one of the top workers in the world. And we've seen him maybe one time, and it was during the, the SmackDown and Raw and NXT invasion. Some of these guys aren't getting any time. And we and, get uh, we get Cedric Alexander for a week. Yeah. He gets yeah, a little for push, a couple weeks. and yeah, then he's you, back down the card. You know, and these guys bar- buried again, and that's the most frustrating uh, uh, part uh, from a wrestling fan is not getting to see those guys. And the only time you do is if WWE has a house show in your town, and that's when you get to see those guys. And it, is it worth it? I don't know. And and you hit on it too. I had had thought that they would. Use the network a little bit more than they did I mean when they do kind of random things Like just live events that they pop up there Or when they do like the Beast in the East special When they when they film sure. some of their events I think it's it's interesting People like it because it's just more content It gives you a little something different It's not something that's on TV so it doesn't feel overly produced Where you, you feel like Michael Cole's being fed Everything from Vince McMahon You know they get a little They're able to be a little more free when they're on their own network I'm with you I would love to see Just a little something Different right now it just feels very vanilla Very recycled Everything we're seeing now I don't want to say everything's Bad because there are there are definitely some good Things like you mentioned the 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 Women kind of taking forefront And when you have women like Charlotte and Becky who are so good And you know Sasha Banks and Bailey and even in the NXT Now with the women coming up with like Shayna Baszler And Rhea Ripley who's incredible Like they they've got a ton of talent down there I love that and I like what they do with the Fiend you know this character is a little bit creative But now we've got like For example TLC's coming up this week I think most people probably wouldn't even realize there was a pay-per-view Coming up the the go-home show For Monday Night for Raw didn't even Really give you a whole lot They're not promoting their matches anymore Like weeks in advance or kind of building up We have a like a Fiend versus The Miz match I love The Miz, I'm the biggest Miz fan in the world Like what has The Miz done to deserve a title match And, and why is he going to have any opportunity to beat, to beat The Fiend or Bray Wyatt I mean we've seen Roman Reigns and, and King Corbin I love uh, King Corbin I, I do, I think he's a great heel I think Roman, what they're doing with Roman Is better than what they did with Roman a couple years ago They're not Plugging him into every title picture Kind of forcing him down your throat Like they're kind of rehabbing him A little bit, I, I like that I, I like to see, you know, Alistair Black And Buddy Murphy getting in the mix But it's just like One step forward, one step backwards It just, you know like the, the, If we were watching With our friends, Chad, that aren't Wrestling fans, and we sat down for Monday Night Raw the other night, and the first twenty minutes of Monday Night Raw was that scene with Rusev and with Lana in the. <laughs> I mean, how many of your friends would have 
said, I'm, I'm, I'm out, Chad. I'll, I'll see yeah. you later, buddy. They would have just got up and walked away. Like, those are the things that uh, as, us as wrestling fans, we kind of have to cringe and, like, bite our tongue and, like, tell them, well, it's not all like this. You know, it's not always like sure. this. It's not always. Sure. But that was, like, that was really bad. And, and they're just, like, the... There isn't very much flow all the way through the show, and and I'm hopefully I don't know what's going to be. Is it going to be maybe Triple H? You know, at some point taking over. Maybe when the, the XFL starts up in the next couple months, uh, McMahon will be a little busier, and and we'll get more Triple H influence. But I, I don't know. It's just something that I'm we're always I'm always going to watch wrestling. I'm always going to love wrestling, but I'm always going to going to want to you know critique it a little bit, and and because we know it can be better. You know, you see how it is on the independent scene. Like those shows are awesome. Every time you go to one of those independent shows, and I've gone to, you know, like I, I mentioned PWG because it's it's close to here where I am in Southern California, and it's one of the big indies. But you leave those events, and even like you mentioned, when you go to a live event over there in in Texas where you're at, or if I go to one here, we leave and we were pretty pumped up. It's fun. It's not quite the same that's on TV. We're getting a little bit longer in the matches. The the performers are playing to the crowd a little bit. They're getting you involved, and it just feels like there's there's coming a disconnect, like a disconnect with the the TV shows that they're very vanilla. They're very th- like just running through the motions. And so I, I hope we get a change because I think one thing you and I both like, like I like what they're doing with backstage WWE backstage the show oh, on yeah. Fox. Like that's oh that's, that's great. I love it. I love it. I, I think it's uh, they are off the cuff, and I am a huge King Corbin fan. I love that guy. I love his gimmick. Um, you know, I, I like it because I, I'm a huge Renee Young fan. I, I love her. I'm so glad that she stuck around. There were rumors that maybe she would go into sports, ESPN, maybe CBS Sports and do some things. But she is great, and I love that continuity. Um, and, and I love to see CM Punk, you know, and, and Booker and, you know, these guys come on and speak their mind and, and talk about things. And Seth Rollins, you know, a couple of weeks ago on there was great. King Corbin. Christian's uh, was, good on there. Yeah. Know, Christian is good on there. Paige is good. And and they talk about things and they kind of crap on some storylines and they make fun of storylines. But it's almost like how show, the Talking Smack was. You know, yes, that, that, yeah, that's, and I love that show. That was like my favorite. Like that was I looked forward more forward to that than to SmackDown because you'd get like I, the key is Renee. You mentioned it because sure. what what was good with Talking Smack was Renee and Daniel Bryan, and they're able to they're able to take the material that's kind of stale that WWE gives them, and they're able to kind of make it into the, and put it in their own voice to where you actually believe what they're saying, you actually listen to what they're saying. It doesn't feel like Really scripted and that's the key with Renee I love Renee so much and it felt like When when they put her in for a while To do the comment to do the the commentary On the announce team she was just not In her role like she no. wasn't she didn't Fit there I don't know if it was because Corey Graves Was next there next to her or like the Three man group or whatever or the three team The three person group but she's So much better when she's able to just be Herself be off the cuff be Silly, be goofy. I love that little segment that they do where they read the mean tweets and they kind of come at people. It's just, it's really fun. So, I mean, and that's the thing. While we're a little bit frustrated with some things, there is definitely not all negative, and there are some positives. Uh, It just wish with with the backing of Fox now, um, I'd like to see a little more. And hopefully, this is uh, we will I will mention that this is generally the lull time of the year, though, for WWE. It is. It's during football season. It's usually when right around the holidays when they're not too great with the creative and then everything kind of starts to ramp back up right around Royal Rumble time and then leading into WrestleMania. So with with Fox now backing them, 
in this WrestleMania in this year with the the WrestleMania era, you know, th- this could be a little bit different. I'm I'm curious to see how they use Fox to help build uh, WrestleMania Week and Royal Rumble and some of their big shows moving forward. But uh, yeah, and and so like a- AEW, let's give them a, a quick mention. I mean, everything that I'm seeing from Jericho right now is awesome. Uh, I think sure. they still need to find uh, find their way a little bit. They still need to 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 figure out. Like week in week out, what are they doing? Uh, one one wrestler I'm a little who hasn't been um, kind of showcased a whole lot is Kenny Omega, which I was kind of surprised. He kind of felt like someone that they were gonna maybe maybe make the face of their company and push. But I can't disagree with what they're doing with Jericho. He he's cutting some <laughs> amazing promos right now. I mean the uh, the celebration a few weeks ago when his dad was out there in the jer- in the hockey jersey just running everyone down. And then he ripped on uh, Jungle Boy last week, and he said, "You know, you're Perry's son. I don't give a shit who you are." Which is just, just yeah. great. Um, give me a few seconds on what do you think of uh, of AEW right now? I, I think it's good. They have a good platform. Um, you know, it's kind of the new Japanish, more focused mm-hmm. on wrestling. There's not a lot of backstage. We talked about this before it started. You know, they have to start building some stars. And Kenny Omega has been missing. I know they have, they're pushing AEW Dark on YouTube, but that's not paying the bills. And they're starting to sign a few more wrestlers. Uh, the roster still needs to be deeper. And I think it hurts them that they don't uh, do a lot of house shows. It's just once a week, and I think they're going to do a pay-per-view here and there. But Jericho is doing the best work of his career, especially now when he's older. Um, you know, he can't do as many of the moves as he could back, uh, in the WCW, WWE days. Uh, it does feel a little WCW ish. I'm okay with that. Yeah. You know, I'm okay with that. I'm really not sold yet though on this, on the commentary team. I think Jr. is good. Uh, I, I, I think Shivani, uh, is probably better than than he at at this point. I think Mm -hmm. Jr. probably needs to take a backstage role, but I I do like they're showcasing some talent. MJF is a stud. I love that kid. Um, they have a lot uh, going for them. Orange Cassidy. Um, I would like to see them kind of, you know, kind of develop this women's roster a little bit. We haven't seen the women's champion in like a month. Um, but they have a lot of good things going and give them a while. You know, I'm hard on them every week. I, I, I review their shows and NXT show head to head every week. I've been hard on them. But give them, you know, this time next year, let's see where they're at. Uh, some things can change. Yeah, I agree with you. And and the one constant that I've been, like I've heard from you the last few minutes, we're talking about this, and I agree. If you're looking at Raw, SmackDown, AEW, NXT, I mean, I think for my money, NXT is the best product out there. Right sure, now. The absolutely, best of those, the best of those shows. And it's just you're getting you're getting a good combination of the in ring. Um, continuity, a little bit of storyline. They build things pretty well. It feels like the most of the wrestling that we grew up on. For me, NXT. Um, it just isn't. It isn't overly complicated. It doesn't try to make you feel stupid as a fan. It's just pretty, pretty basic. And we get, you know, just incredible, incredible matches and action week in and week out. So, uh, yeah, it, it's fun right now. I mean. It's a good time to be a wrestling fan because we're going to be hard on it and we're going to critique it. But we get raw on Monday night. On Tuesday night, we got backstage. We got AEW Dark. We got NWA Power if you're into that. And then you on Wednesday nights, you got you know um, AEW and NXT. And then on Friday nights, you got SmackDown. And then some weeks, you get a pay per view from AEW on Saturday. And then you get the WWE shows on Sunday. So like if you're a wrestling fan and you're just looking to consume content, there is tons and tons of it out there right now. It's 
it's it's a golden era and a boom period for wrestling, not like the the attitude era, but just in how much is out there. And you mentioned New Japan. I mean, they're two weeks away from their big three weeks away from their big sure. show, which is the usually the show that I stay up and watch uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom, and and that'll be a blast. So Chad, we bounced around like always. Um, what what are you working on right now? Let us know. Uh, what are you up to this week? What do you have coming out as far as like articles and things? And where where are you going to be headed? What are you going to be covering? What's what's going on in the world of Chad Cooper? Well, every Thursday, uh, like I mentioned, uh, if you're a really diehard wrestling fan, I know there's a lot of dirt sheets uh, that review shows, but I t- I try to take another like a layman's person uh, look at. NXT and AEW that comes out every Thursday afternoon on flaggedsports.com. Uh, as we mentioned earlier, uh, it's bowl season. There's a lot of bowl games and a lot of intriguing matchups. And I'll tell people this, you know, be weary on some of these matchups like Utah and Texas, you know, Utah's a senior Latin team. Well, all those guys play Georgia and Baylor. I love Baylor in this spot because Georgia, you know, a lot of seniors, will they sit out a lot of these. This is a different era of college football. Motivation. These, yeah, yep. motivation. Will these guys play? You know, Georgia sit out last year. Texas blew them out in the Sugar Bowl because those guys want to go into the draft. But it's always fun uh, to look at all those bowl matchups. And, uh, you know, as NFL uh, takes a turn, we'll be, we'll be diving more into the NBA here pretty soon once uh, NFL playoffs start in college football, you know, after we move on in January. Uh, but flagsports.com and uh, on Twitter at the Chad Cooper. Uh, that's uh, where I put all my music, photos, you name it. I'm on there. I'll do it all, my friend. Yeah, and, and you know what? We'll uh, one of these weeks when we get you on, we'll do some. Uh, we'll talk a little fairgrounds even too. Oh, they're, yeah. they're, they're yeah. up and they're up and running. And sure. I know you're you play attention to college basketball even too. So yeah, oh, yeah. I mean we'll we'll be all over the place, Coop man. I, I appreciate it. That's a great conversation right there. And uh, we'll be following you online, and we'll be uh, checking out everything. Over on Flagged Sports Chad Cooper You're going to hear him again uh, very soon Back here on That's What G Said Thanks buddy Thanks my friend Big thanks to Chad Cooper for coming on with us This week on That's What G Said We will be back in just a couple days With weekend racing NFL plays for the Sunday slate And uh, we'll bounce over around with, I think, the morning show recap. I'm going to try to convince Stephanie to come on and talk a little Silicon Valley with me now that it's over with. So um, flood her her social media with requests for that. Thanks, everyone. Don't forget, subscribe over on YouTube, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Podcasts. Tune in anywhere you get your podcasts. Leave us a nice five-star rating and review. And uh, go help out the sponsors that help us out. SarahCandles.com CindyCarava.com Make sure on SarahCandles.com use that promo code Gino and then on Thrive Fantasy also use that promo code Gino deposit 10 bucks, and you'll get the $10 bonus right back. Talk to you in a few days folks.